This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, I am Sebastian Teotrio. And I'm Alex Allingsworth. Welcome to The Hidden Curriculum, a podcast where we talk about all the stuff you didn't learn in graduate school. Alex, how are you doing today? Doing well. How about yourself? Good. I am uh, maintaining, keep maintaining social distance and using my mask and really getting bored of cooking so much at home. But I'm do, doing good. Do you have a cool mask or do you have just like a standard? Oh, I wish mask? I could show it to you right now, but it's in the other room. It's like a Taz, baby Taz mask that uh, my partner's sister, Monica, made for us. It's, really, it's cool. It's very like Tasmanian Devil? Yeah, like the Taz Devil, like the like Looney Tunes. Yeah, it's really good. What about you? Do you have a cool mask? I have like one with fun patterns on it. Okay. And then I have like a black one. That's my serious Oh, mask. the ninja. Yeah. yeah. I went to a funeral and I was like, I have the mask for this. Oh gosh. Oh, okay. That's sad. Is it a COVID funeral? No, it was not. So. Okay. Well, was, I mean, you know, it's, it's, still, like, it's still I, sad. I, guess. I have like the party one and then I have like the Right. The funeral one. That's great. Uh, well, today we're very excited. We're talking with Emily Nix. She is a professor of finance and business economics at the USC Marshall School of Business. It's that Troyans, I believe. Um, Emily is a labor economist. Her research focuses on human capital formation, the economics of crime, and the gender income gap. She has a PhD in economics from Yale University. She serves as a consultant at the World Bank, is an external researcher for a policy institute in Sweden. She's born and raised in New Orleans. She's a great dog. She's amazing. Uh, Emily, uh, did I miss anything? Um, and maybe as you're introducing, maybe tell us something fun about yourself. So I would say not only a great dog, I would say the world's best dog, oh, indisputably best dog. in my unbiased opinion. <laughs> um, something fun about myself. Oh, so this is fun fact, which if you follow me on Twitter, you, I, don't have, I think I mentioned it once. Okay. Um, when I was in high school, I actually restored an old 1964 MGB Roadster. So a very old car. So wow. I have some mechanic skills, and no which is way. actually ties into what we'll talk about. That's yeah, <laughs> that's right. I felt capable of doing what we're going to talk about later today. What was the motivation for like fixing it up? So actually, my father at one point he had many careers, but he was a mechanic at one point, and he okay. to this day, as his hobby, still restores old British sports cars um, oh. and sells them. And okay. so he each have a car, but we had to build it ourselves. So each of his kids could have a car, but we would have to wow. build it ourselves. And so we each built our own or restored our own cars. Like, so did a frame up restoration. Huh. So I'm, I'm curious, did you catalytic converter, no catalytic converter? <laughs> I definitely, definitely convertible. Um, uh, and yeah, it's, it's a beautiful car. It doesn't go that fast. It's 1964. My dream car is the uh, Jaguar E-Type. Um, I, I did propose that as a 15 year old uh, kid. <laughs> and, and my, my parents said, first of all, that car is too valuable. Second of a car, all no one needs, like no fifteen year, old, no sixteen year old needs a Jaguar E Type that goes that so crazy funny. fast. <laughs> wow, uh, I know nothing about cars. Like I have a Toyota Prius, and I think I'm very cool. Um, everyone who on like knows about cars is like. You're embarrassing, but <laughs> I know, think you, you, you develop a bond with your car and then it's just a special relationship between your right. car, no matter mm-hmm. what your car is. It can be the biggest hunk of junk. What car do you have right now? 
So in, in LA, I actually, what I have what my uh, friends refer to as a um, suburban mom car. <laughs> I have okay. a, a, a Volkswagen T1 in LA, but I've been meaning to bring out my old car. So my okay. 1964 Roadster, it's just not a great LA traffic everyday car. It, mm. It's very well restored. Thank you very much. But, mm-hmm. you know, when a car is, what is it now? 40, 56 years old? Yeah. It's, you're going to have some problems. And right. so it's not like an everyday. It it's makes a, a great coast- Instagram post, probably. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a coastal driving car, vacation right. car. <laughs> but then I'm going to be that crazy LA person who has two cars, one person. So I, that's, oh, that's why I've true. hesitated yeah, <laughs> to bring it that's up. That's true. You know, my vice is camera. So I guess everyone maybe has their own vices. Um, <laughs> so that's good. Great. Uh, so today we'll learn about Emily, her research, and we will continue our discussion on, on teaching tips. Specifically, Emily will talk us about how to use a light bore and the cool features about it. So let's start a little bit with your research. Is there any like cool paper you want to advertise or maybe share your broad research agenda? Yeah, sure. So I'll tell you all about um, a paper we just actually dropped on our respective websites. Boom. So this is with uh, Christina Hutinen, who's a fantastic researcher out of VAT in Helsinki, Finland. Um, and it's also with Marty Kyla, who's a wonderful grad student who will be on the market in a number of years, not quite yet, but a number of years. Um, and so what, were we, what we were interested in this paper is we have a lot of papers in economics looking at the impacts of prison, uh, which is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been arguably much fewer papers looking at other punishments. And both because in the majority of, say, European really non-US countries, prison isn't used a lot. So it's really important to know how these other punishments function. Do they deter mm-hmm. crime? Do they help or hurt labor market outcomes of defendants? We want to kind of look at the whole ladder of punishments. But also, even if you think about the US, if we ever want to get to a place where we move away from using prison and mm-hmm. move towards using these other punishments, like say fines or probation, we want to really know how they work and, and how effective they are. And so that's what we do in this paper is we use uh, the famous judge fixed effect design to try and get at um, the impacts of three of the most used punishments around the, around the world, uh, fines, probation, and prison, um, and try and think about how each of these function in society, how they deter or encourage future crime from, from defendants, and, and how they affect labor market outcomes. Um, so we have some really cool results. I don't want to spend too much time here so, so we can talk about the light board too, mm-hmm. but it's post, just posted result. on my website. So it's very new, very exciting, and we would love any comments anyone has. Great. Wait, but I want to know the results. <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, so, so the results. So what we find is we find um, prison is kind of a mixed bag. So prison it decreases future charges, but have nev- has negative effects on labor market outcomes. Okay. However, the other thing that we do that's really interesting is we look at basically the whole ladder. And what we mean by that is like, punishments usually change depending on how mm-hmm. severe the crime you've committed is and how many previous crimes you've committed. Mm-hmm, and so if you look mm-hmm. at heterogeneity on those dimensions, it actually turns out prison is really effective, but mostly for really severe crimes. Mm-hmm. So if you've committed more severe crimes, that's when you get the big reduction in charges. Mm-hmm. And then if we look at probation, probation, if you look at the whole sample, it looks like a wash. It doesn't mm-hmm. look like it really does anything in terms of charges. It doesn't increase or decrease. Mm-hmm. And it has no impact on labor market, but that actually hides some really big heterogeneity. And specifically, if you look at those committing less severe crimes, probation is really effective for those folks. It really reduces charges for those folks. I'm not a I'm not a crime economist, but uh, when you present this paper, or if you had a chance to present it, is is the reaction like, oh, okay, confirming my priors, or like you're getting pushback on some of the 
or, or what part of their sub we like, actually, I'm not sure if I buy that or like, that's really interesting, kind of. Like, yeah. that's the comment you get back. So I think where we are in the crime literature, it's like I said, there's a ton of papers on prison and it's not fully resolved in the sense of we find different results in different countries. And that could mm -hmm. easily be because of differences in the way prison right. is applied. So for example, in the Nordic countries, they've, we've tended to find, as we do, that prison tends to decrease crime. Now, part of that could be exactly what we're discussing in our paper, which is prison isn't used very much for low severity crimes in mm. Nordic countries. It's, it's a punishment of last resort in many European countries. Whereas in the U.S., you have Mike Mueller-Smith's great paper, among others, where he finds that prison actually increases future charges. Mm. I think part of this has to do with this, potentially this heterogeneity and right. the way prison is applied in different countries. Um, and so, and I think that's actually really important to say, to note, because some of that you can bring to the U.S., but it, we would, it, I think the idea is that you wouldn't find the same point estimates, like, like Mike and uh, Magne, Mogstead, Monodip, Bueller, Katrine Loken, I think that's all the co-authors, but hope, hope that in <laughs> um, But anyways, I think like, like you see with their two papers, you're not going to get the same point estimates, but that might not be because, I mean, that might be because you have to change something bigger about the system if you want to get the right. same result. Yeah, like if that's... you want to have prison actually be effective at rehabilitation, you might need to, A, focus prison sentences on those who commit more severe crimes, which is what our paper would suggest, and also possibly focus your uh, prison system differently. So actually to have your prison system uh, be, be implemented differently. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I, I also think, well, just to wrap up, like when I hear these papers about like prisons and the comparison of the countries of like, I don't know why in the back of my head is how these institutions were created in each one of these countries could be like very differently. And we talk about systemic racism now and, and all this stuff. And that obviously affects the external validity and, and what you're kind of, I think you're getting at um, in some sense. So, um, yeah. So I think just to sum it up, I think it's like criminal justice and, and punishment is, is complex and we're not going to have some easy answer. So there's no one size fits all. Um, so we should be, maybe think about looking at this, this, this important heterogeneity, important differences across countries. And, and that's why we need so much good research on this, hopefully. Great. Great. That's a great place to pause. Obviously, this is super interesting. This is why we economists could spend hours talking about research and this stuff. Um, but let's get to the teaching and the light bar stuff. So let's start a little bit with Emily, maybe telling us about your teaching experience. Yep. So I have, um, I did some TAing in grad school, as many people do. And then I, you know, was hired out um, at USC. And so what I've largely taught is Econ 351 which is intermediate micro, but very much focused on business majors. So we kind of focus a lot more on uh, business applications. Um, we do like a lot of stuff on market power, more than I did in my intermediate micro, micro class <laughs> as your econ uh, major. And, and so we do a lot of cool stuff that I think are like kind of geared towards real life and business applications. Hmm. Um, and so I've taught that the last three years and it's gone really well. And now we're all switching to online. Yeah. And, so, <laughs> and so as I'm sure you guys have thought about too, I was like, okay, how am I going to take what worked well in the classroom and make it work well in right. online? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I think the key, the key question. And, and also I haven't had too much experience teaching online, but uh, from the little that I had like some guest lectures, it's also like keeping the energy too. And when I particularly saw, I think the video of the LIBOR and I was like, oh, this is really cool because you can see the professor and you can see 
like you writing it and we can transmit more emotions rather if they see an iPad writing or something like that. So I thought that was, um, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And I, my first exposure to it was I had a friend come and visit and he's in a data science program at Ohio state and his professors, this was pre COVID all used light boards and it looked fantastic. The production value was very high. So I Googled it and I was like, Oh, that costs $25,000. Next. Oh, wow. Like, you know, I'm not like interested in that at all. <laughs> Thank you. So next. The past like couple of weeks. I don't know like the order of who came up with everything, but I saw your video first, Emily I was like, Oh my God, you can make one of these for a hundred dollars. So <laughs> I, I, you know, sort of in basically You're such a cheapo, it. Alex. Oh yeah. $140, right. But, <laughs> uh, made one too. And they're awesome. So thanks for providing sort of the, oh. the fact uh, that you can do it on your own. For everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I had the same experience. I saw, I, forget, I think I saw the guy at Northwestern who, I'm not sure if he invented it or he was just really early and it was so cool. I was like, this is so dynamic because I do a lot of board work. So I do a lot of board work um, and, and, and I wanted to be, I wanted to replicate that, you know, the, the kind of interaction you have with students while you're writing on the board and you don't get that from an iPad. That was my, like, I think iPad can work for some people, but for me, you, you miss a lot from that. Um, and so, and so I saw it and I did the same thing as Alex. I looked it up and I was like, oh, it's $10,000 to build. I don't have that in my teaching budget. Um, and so then, and so then I decided to design it myself. So some of you might be asking what is a light bar? Um, and so just to give you a, a, an overview of it, it's basically a piece of glass. So imagine there's a piece of glass between you and the camera, but you actually can't see the glass. So it actually looks a little bit like you're writing in thin air. Um, and so what you are actually doing is you're writing on this piece of glass and, and the viewer can see both you and the writing you're doing right in front of you. And it looks like this writing is kind of floating in midair if you get the lighting right and you build the light board well. Um, and then what you can do is you can, obviously, if you're writing one way on the back of a piece of glass and the viewer is looking at it, it would be backwards. But you mm -hmm. can use what I use is called OBS software, which you can then use to flip it. And then, and then mm. it literally looks like if I'm right-handed, it looks like I'm writing with my left hand in midair. Um, and then I can be That's interacting cool. with the student looking straight into the camera while they're also seeing what I'm writing. And just to add to that, Zoom will automatically, if you're going live, flip the image, right? So you can have this, you, I, I don't, I want to ask you a bunch of questions about how you think you could use this in the classroom, but it's at least feasible to do synchronously from the perspective of flipping the image. Right. Yeah. The rest of it, I think there are other issues potentially with synchronous classes and light boards, but at least the flipping thing you don't need to worry about. So that's interesting. I actually didn't know you could do it through Zoom. I'll have to try that because what I've, I'm doing it, you can do it synchronously with OBSs too, it turns out. It just takes a lot more steps. So you can, what you can do with OBS is you can download this virtual plugin. And so basically OBS becomes your camera in Zoom. Mm -hmm. So then you can be putting out your OBS content live. Right. And again, OBS is the software I'm using to kind of make it a little flashier and flip the flip the image. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing you have to do is when you, sh you have to also share your sound depending on what you're doing in OBS. So then you go to share screen and instead of sharing your screen, there is an option in Zoom where you just share the sound. Mm -hmm. um, so you can do that. Um, but that's really cool. So I had no idea. Alex just showed me that you can in fact do it with just the Zoom thing. So I had yeah, no idea you could like do my it. Default I, I definitely is to did flip the hard the image, way. So. <laughs> Well, so what I did, I, I basically, I, I found some videos online inspired by you guys and made a light board. And um, then I realized after I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to figure out how to do this. It's like, oh, it automatically switched everything. What, what do you think are the benefits of the light board versus, for example, showing me writing on an iPad um, on the screen? Because I think that's the other alternative to like show stuff in the board. 
So I think like my, my view, and I was reading a little bit about why people use light boards, and this was the mm-hmm. prevailing view, is that seeing a human being, like we, we speak with our hands, we speak with our expressions, as well as speaking with our pen. And I think being able to see mm-hmm. those expressions and seeing the hand motions adds a lot. And you mm-hmm. do that in a classroom. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think an iPad, like writing on your iPad is a great option if you don't want to, you know, have fun making a light board. I actually found it fun to make it too. To, <laughs> yeah, to be clear. fun project. But, but um, I think you, you do get a lot from like seeing the human face and seeing that interaction that you don't get from just seeing a very kind of cold, slightly colder in my view, black and white, like writing on the iPad. That was my backup to be clear. So like, that was what I was thinking of doing mm-hmm. is like writing on the PowerPoint slides, but then they don't get all that you know, interaction. Like, right. So I want to do as close as I can possibly get to human interaction. Um, and then part of that is this whole thing we probably won't have time to talk about is like making sure they're interacting back. So using mm. things like polls, breakout rooms, all of that. But, but the part that's me interacting with them um, right. or me be, them being able to see me being dynamic or being moving, that mm-hmm. you lose, I think, if, you don't, if they can't see you. Right. So I have a number of questions about operationalizing this. And just full disclosure, yesterday I made a light board in like 20 minutes or 30 minutes. I think I could have done it in 10 minutes had I thought about it beforehand. It was really simple to do, but you can imagine making it really complicated. So we'll post a video to that. There's a bunch of them that exist. Yeah, uh, we'll post four links on the the description that you can check them out. Um, And Alex, but how, how good are you about assembling things? Like, are you like, you know... Lego master or you know what I'm, I'm like I like to assemble Ikea things with a power drill so I still like the Ikea <laughs> okay. things but I like to make it a little more efficient so nothing <sighs> like too crazy but like gotcha. you know I, I have some skills gotcha. um, the one thing I, I noted though when I was making it was like I think doing this live would involve a lot more thoughtful planning mm. than just using my iPad so I've taught online before using my iPad and uh, you can sort of like, it's it's really similar to how I would teach in the class. But whereas with the light board, it's like, this is all these questions I have for you. Like, how do you angle the computer if you were to do it live? So there's not like the reflection. How do you maintain the chat? How do you like see your mm-hmm. notes effectively? Like maybe all this stuff is trivial. Just like my setup with the lighting that I had made was bad. But like, I guess, could you walk through if you plan to use it for like a live class? like how you might do that in a way that's effective? Yeah, so this is still a bit early stages. So you saw, so I put out this uh, video on Twitter and it was like, I, I was not expecting over 53,000 people to watch it. Because <laughs> it's nice. me and Basil Hatch. you're an influencer, like, Emily. <laughs> yeah, it but does, I, I might have like, I might have not like just rolled out of bed and, and stuck on my LA Dodgers <laughs> cap. <laughs> but that being said. That authenticity is why you got to 50. Yeah, that's right. Hopefully, yeah, that's how, that's how I should teach, you know. Um, but right now what I'm doing is I just have my laptop out of the camera shot. And I have it to the side of the light board. And, and so I think you just can't have anything in front of the light board because then it will reflect off the glass. Um, so the tricky thing is I, I just did a test where I was going through, going through my PowerPoints, making sure I could see my PowerPoints, easy change scenes in OBS, be on Zoom. Because when I did the thing that I put on Twitter, I, that was basically something I was also synchronously putting on Zoom at the same time just to make sure it all worked. Um, so that was pretty easy, just having my laptop to the right out of the shot, out of the camera shot but still within uh, distance, like where I could hit it with my hand. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing is I have a, a mouse that's, you know, I can detach and a keyboard that I could put underneath the light pad and like the light board at the base. So like on the table, which isn't in the shot of the camera. So mm-hmm. I think having like a keyboard, you can move to the center with your laptop to the right 
and your mouse to the center, then you can do everything and your laptop is out of the line of sight of the camera, but in, within your line of sight. Now, realistically, because I have an 80 person class, I think I'm going to have to have two screens with their faces so I can see them all at once. So I want right. to have, because Zoom can do like, I think 44 each. So I want to have two screens with the 40, about 40 each. So mm -hmm. I can see them all. I want those to probably be behind the camera. Hmm. Um, and so I'm thinking of either getting, doing a projector or just having big, bigger screens, like bigger monitors. I have one bigger monitor. I would have to get another or get a projector. Um, so then I have the students behind me. And then I can either have them actually raise their hands or I'll also have the chat open in my laptop to the side. And so I did do mm -hmm. a test of that where like on my laptop, because OBS is so integrated, so well integrated, I can have like the PowerPoint, I can run the PowerPoint, have me and OBS with most of me writing. And then I can easily flip between sides, uh, between what OBS calls scenes. So different, different layouts. So PowerPoint big or PowerPoint right. small with what's called a stream deck. So I have an Elgato stream deck. Can uh, you so do it from the keyboard? Point. Do you know that? Do like, can you do like a shortcut from the keyboard yeah. instead of buying? You can also do shortcut from the keyboard. My problem with that is then if I type anything in the chat, it, it sometimes you hit the the keyboard the see. shortcut. <laughs> see, that, you can make your shortcuts more obscure. But when I was practicing it, for example, I think I made I as an intro, and then every time I typed, my intro music would come on. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, that's good to know. Okay, so, have you taught so yeah. online? Do what? Have you taught online before? No, so this is so I did not have to do the spring rapid transition, and okay. I hadn't taught okay. an, an apologize. I feel online. like all eighty-eight students will not turn their cameras on, so you might yeah, not need that true. second monitor. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that is true. probably true. Although we're trying, like I'm, I'm trying to, I'm going to try very hard to encourage them to turn on webcams, but I also want to be very respectful of students mm -hmm. who have difficult circumstances. Yeah. So I think it's like writing that fine line of really encouraging those who are able to turn on webcams, so you're not like like teaching to the void. Yeah, so I think it's like really cool in terms of the interactivity. And I think part of why I post it on Twitter is like, I wonder if other people think this is cool too. And so when I got like the 53,000 whatever yeah. views, I was like, okay, this is cool. I, I think my if, if this many people think it's cool, my students will probably think it's cool. So Right. right. It was so either I that have, or TikToks, right? From an Yeah. <laughs> you can do both. <laughs> yeah. I, I have another question for you just practically. So obviously, you know, you uh, we talked before this. So I don't remember what was in the recording and not. Um, you haven't physically been near USC for a little while, but um, let's imagine that that for like a group of faculty members that want to do this at a particular institution, do you think this would be like feasible to like set up in somebody's office for non-synchronous classes and then like share one of these um, across multiple different uh, instructors? Because it's such a cool tool, but not everybody has the space or the ability to sort of have one of these permanently set up in their home. So I guess like it's two-part question. That or is there a way that you can sort of like, how do you store it at your house if you're not going to do that? Yeah, so definitely. So I think you could definitely share one. I'm not, a, we're not really supposed to be going on campus right now. So I'm going to be, I don't have a, ma let me just say, I don't have a massive house in LA because LA home prices. But <laughs> <laughs> so like mine's going to be taking up my entire home office, which I'm just really glad I have a home office, um, right. especially now that I'm making the bigger version. So I'm basically building because I'm going all out now. I'm basically building like a mini home studio with like black curtains. <laughs> You're going to be a YouTuber. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm all set up now, but um, you can do the bit. So a couple of things. Yes, you could share one if you're allowed to go to your office and you can all build, yeah. you could, you can build a really cheap. So you could have a shared cheap version. Even my three foot by four foot one, the biggest cost is the plexiglass. Um, and just FYI, a lot of the things say it doesn't work with plexiglass. The version I showed on Twitter, it's plexiglass and it works perfectly well. And plexiglass is A, way cheaper and B, way safer to work with 
than than actual class. So I would I would recommend that unless you're perfection. Um, you know, for one semester of online teaching, I'm going for really good, but maybe not perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, but- I made a three foot by four foot one, and I found it really easy to write on exactly what you said though being aware of like the area that you're writing in I, again i forget if this was at the beginning or if it was uh recorded is super important too right so if you write a lot like yeah. you could like write off the what do you used to erase just a regular eraser just a lint uh i would do, i would recommend uh it's um what's it called it's uh so you have to get special markers so a couple of extra oh you do have to get to special markers oh, okay yeah you want the neon expo markers so basically yeah. we can i'm sure you guys can add a link so i can yep. link the ones that mm-hmm. i bought um and then um i can also link the specific type of to- uh, towel i use i forget the name for them but a specific type of towel that's worked quite well um okay. the reason i got a bigger one is because i wanted to be able to write a lot without having to constantly erase because mm-hmm. in my classroom i have like you know, it's a huge lecture hall and the entire front wall is whiteboard. So I write a lot. I fill those whole things up. And what, one, one second. So when it's, when it's big enough, your the frame of the shot is the whole board, but then it's not small enough then the way you're writing to notice it. Cause I was thinking like you're zooming in and then you're just panning to a different part of the board. No, I'm at my plan because that's too hard to do live and I'm going right. to be synchronous most of the time. My okay. plan is to have my webcam focused on the whole board but excluding the frame so i have a nice frame which makes it much sturdier Mm. Um, and also i put shoe molding along the edges which keeps the led lights because the trick of a light board is you have an led strip that's through the glass that's why it projects the marker and makes it look like it's coming in from thin air Um, another couple key points so you want on expo markers um i think the what you wipe it down with is less pivotal than the neon markers and also getting your lighting right so you want Mm. you you tend to want to be in a darker room although I'm in a room with two of the four walls, totally windows and that test shot I did and it still worked great. Mm. Um, and, but you need a black background. So you want a black background and you want light on you. So what I found is if I didn't have light, the first time mm. I turned it on because it's not real glass, it's plexiglass, you see all the imperfections the first time you turn it on mm. and it looks cloudy and it looks like it's no way it's going to work. But if you just take a big, like a, a regular led light, and put it so it's shining directly on you behind the light board, all of a sudden that it, it looks totally clear. Mm, mm. Um, so play I, I around with your lighting. I, my room was too dark when I did it the first time because I tried to like set up my iPad next to me as like a can't like as if my students were there. And then on the shot, I was like, I could see the iPad light and all this because I was mm. in my basement where it was like pitch black. So what I'm going to probably do for my final setup, because I've read a bunch of things and this is what people recommend is one right above the light board shining directly mm-hmm. on you and two to the side shot I put on Twitter. I just have one right above shining on me and that makes it totally, it makes it so it looks. Yeah. Uh, look fine. I, I still have this like lingering thought that like, like this isn't really a question for you, but more just like a thought about lightboards and really any teaching technology is like, it's really cool. I love like nerdy technology stuff, but I'm always afraid of like making something a gimmick and mm. making sure that when I use it, it's like actually the most effective for the students. And like with the iPad and just writing on notes, I feel like, the gimmick is gone, right? It's just notes. And with this, I feel like it's possible that I, I might like want to overuse it because it's cool. Mm. But like, I don't, I don't know if that's the case. Maybe students will just like, just seeing you means it's engaging and that means it's worth it. Like just yeah. do it. So. so I would say the reason I went this route is very specific. So I had some old recordings of me teaching because the week before Thanksgiving, students have to go out of town. So I would record those lectures and send them to them. So actually when I realized I was going to be online in the fall and I was starting to plan teaching, 
you know, my teaching has gone well in the past. So I didn't, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But so then I said, okay, I'm going to sit down Mm. and look at how I teach and think about what, and try and think about what I think makes me, what I'm doing most effectively. Like what am I best at and how can I translate that to online? So I would say like, if you're not someone who uses the board at all, this is probably not something that's going to be useful to you. So I think like for me specifically, I said, okay, what are the things I do? Well, I think I have really fun PowerPoints with really cool videos mixed in and pop culture references and gifts, but I also do a lot of board work. And then I have these group yeah. projects and then I ask a cold call and then I ask people questions like to raise their hands as a class. Mm-hmm. And how can I replicate each of those things online using the technology that's available? And so, you know, like for asking them to raise their hands, I can replace that with a Zoom poll. For right. having them do group work, I can replace that with small breakout rooms. The board work is the thing where I was stuck. And like I said, I fill the entire board. Like I use a ton of board and in my email, students say they like that. So I think if you're someone who never uses the board, building a light board is probably not going to help replicate what makes you a great professor. Selection bias, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm using this because I realize I want something where they can see me at the board and see me writing and I can, because I do, I write a lot of them, but I'll stop after an equation and turn around and talk mm-hmm. to them and look at them and then I'll write the next equation and talk to them and look right. at them. That, mm-hmm. That's really, that's a helpful thought, like in general too, like even ignoring this whole conversation about light boards, like, and I guess like it's obvious, but I've never thought about it before. Just like stopping and reflecting about like, why was that successful? And how can I like no. use whatever features that is in this new unique situation? I think that's like a, that's a neat way of approaching this and probably why you're such an effective instructor. Yeah, absolutely. No, I yeah. think I, what I, when I saw that video, because I, I also had to teach before there were situations where I had to record a class and I just kind of like record my iPad and, and talk about it. And actually I got a really good feedback from the students saying that they really liked it. Uh, it was probably mostly because I speak really quickly or talk really quickly and they were able to like pause it down <laughs> and like, you know, uh, take pauses that they really enjoyed it. But at the same time, um, I, when I saw the library, I thought about the whole expression thing. Like I'm a very expressive person and I try to make jokes, even though people don't laugh, but if I, <laughs> they get worse if they don't have like that, um, same face, you know, the, the facial part. So I thought that was pretty uh, nifty. And, and even though I could do it on the iPad, I think I may move it to, to a light board and, and try it out. So, so thanks for that. Thanks for bringing that. For sure. I also have a suggestion for the jokes. Sometimes I write, okay. like I have funny comics and, and they don't laugh either. And then I say, guys, I spent like 30 minutes looking for this comic. So you're all going to laugh now. <laughs> and, and then they laugh. And I think it's actually genuine. Okay. okay. Is that but they're la- laughing more laughing at, at you though? Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> Every week we like to wrap up with the episode with our recommendation for the week. This can be anything, a quote, a book, an episode, movie, website. So let's hear our recommendation for the week from each one of our panelists. Emily, what is your recommendation of the week? All right, I'm going to do something that's like not particularly highbrow, but effect- has been effective for Ooh, me. And I love something that. something lowbrow. So, you know, one of each. So yeah. um, I don't know about other people, but I was like really productive. I was trying to pretend like uh, this quarantine period was my sabbatical. So I, I, like we mentioned before we started, I was helping some with uh, childcare for a family. But I was, you know, when I was not doing that, I was trying to not waste the moment. <laughs> and, and then I hit a wall and I was being, it was, you know, it just got to be long quarantine. So what I started using is rescue time. So I found it to be really helpful to control my impulses to spend time on what uh, rescue time calls uh, distracting or really distracting sites. 
Um, so that's been great. Uh, so I recommend mm-hmm. it. It's been helpful to me without being obnoxious. Okay. Um, and then slightly more lowbrow. I did not see Alias when it came out. It was a little before <laughs> my time. Okay. But I have gotten really into Alias also, okay. um, which is now on Amazon Prime. So it's like, you know, great. badass woman kicking yeah. butt. It was, it's great. <laughs> Why not? It, are, you, do, are you done with the show? No, 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 no. I've been, I've been trying to moderate myself. So okay, I have good. a, I, I, I'm not going to pretend like I don't have a ability to binge watch, but I've been trying <laughs> to uh, exert some self-control. Jennifer yeah, Garner, I, right? Isn't she the Capital One no, person? It, oh, she it, is. You're right. Oh, I, I love her. She's oh, so great. Wait, is she I follow in, her she's to, the main on person Instagram, in Alias? She's the main person in Alias? Yeah, man. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. Where, where I'm are you very in your mid two thousands primetime television knowledge? Yeah, yeah she's also very... she's also on Instagram and she's lovely on Instagram. Actually, if I do a how to video, if I ever get the time on my light board, I might like copy. She did this great video of her making a dunking station. Oh, okay, <laughs> that, that was entertaining. <laughs> great, Jennifer. I'll go next. My recommendation of the week is kind of lame, not as fun as Emily's, but one thing that has been really great for references has been Sotero. This was recommended to me by Lindsay Bollinger uh, from Georgia Tech, um, and I never use any reference manager, so it's been pretty great. But here's my extra Sebastian tip of the week. What you can do is you can map the add reference part um, to your mouse, and so you could be writing a sentence, click on the mouse, and type the name, and boom, reference included, and it's super smooth transition and schedule and and you know nothing to deal with you could also do it with a keyboard i don't know why i found it with the mouse was like a lot easier but i i mapped it to my mouse that's my recommendation for the week so i i'm gonna copy you sebastian and just build off of yours but first okay. of all Lindsay, iu alum right oh here. my gosh so, that's so right go yeah. Lindsay. yeah so go, so go uh iu yeah. o'neill mm-hmm. school professor bollinger mm-hmm. professor yes professor yeah, she's bollinger. she rocks um, but in, in any event, uh, my recommendation is to use PaperShip if you use an iPad and you want to use Zotero. So basically oh. I found Z- Zotero doesn't have a good iOS app at all. And I, I particularly in COVID time, so I used to be one of those people that would print all my referee report papers or all the papers mm. I would read and like write up on them. I, I, something about the physical interaction is good. This but is an I, environmental uh, economist, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <But> hey, <man. laughs> I don't need trees. I need paper. All right. <laughs> But uh, COVID times, right? I just have a crappy printer that like can barely print eight pages in a row without smudging. So like I had to sort of move to paperless and I use Zotero and I found nothing good. No way to interact with it on the iPad. Paper ship is phenomenal. So what I do is I have like paper uh, paper and then like ship like PA. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I could have okay. just spelled it. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, no, um, but but uh, so I have that on like two thirds of the iPad screen, and then the other third is like an Apple Note, so I can have like running notes as I'm going on whatever paper it is. And you can still with the stylus like get a large way of the way there of like the actual notes uh, on the paper. So it's th- that sort of combination has really, I think, replaced paper for me. Even though I still kind of prefer paper, everything's right. more organized, and it's know, it's like ninety five percent of the way there. That's amazing. I'm just like downloading it right now and I've never heard of it. I'm so glad you mentioned it. This is why I love recommendations of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I hope everyone took something from it. Emily, where can people learn more about you, your research, or where can they follow you? So two places to learn about my research or what I'm thinking today. So one is my website, which I should know off the top of my head, but if you Google Emily Nix economics, it will show up. 
Um, the second place to follow me where you get more frequent updates, um, at least when I'm on Twitter, <laughs> Um, and rescue time isn't kicking me off is uh, Emily Nix 100. Uh, so those are two places you can find me. And it was great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great. thank you so much. We really enjoyed having you on here. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, make sure to subscribe to uh, your subscribe to us on your favorite podcast service, and also check out uh, Emily's video. Maybe we can get up to a hundred thousand views. And if you're yeah. curious to see me fumbling trying to make one uh, in 30 minutes while my daughter takes a nap, uh, we'll post a link to that as well. For sure. Thank you for joining us. Bye.